the last known sighting of the Titan sub, pictured on Sunday. But where on earth is it now? Just hours remain to find the submersible in the remoteness of the North Atlantic and bring its five passengers home alive to their desperate families. With any seal compartment, you've got a finite time in terms of oxygen, in terms of the air you're breathing, resources, etc., etc. So the mentality, Dan, that I think everyone else, everyone else on Earth can only begin to imagine, you know, what it's like down there and what the mentality is you have to adopt. There is still some hope for the stricken sub. GB News understands rescuers have detected SOS signals, which would indicate the vessel is still intact. Those on board include Britain's Hamish Harding, Shazada Dawood, and his 19-year-old son, Suleiman. They paid some £200,000 each to explore the wreckage of the Titanic, lying in darkness at the bottom of the seabed. A descent of nearly two and a half miles the height of nine Empire State buildings. But serious questions are now being raised about the safety and simplicity of the Ocean Gate vessel. That's Here's a reporter on a recent wow. CBS documentary being shown around. We run the whole thing with this game controller. <laughs> Come on! And listen closely to Stockton Rush, the chief executive of Ocean Gate explaining his company's approach. When I start the business, one of the things you'll find, there are other sub-operators out there, but they, they typically um, have uh, gentlemen who are ex-military submariners, and they you'll see a whole bunch of 50-year-old white guys. So we've really tried to, to get um, very intelligent, motivated, younger individuals involved, because we're doing things that are completely new. There are huge questions to be answered, but that is for another day. For now, the focus remains on reaching five stranded men, trapped in the most catastrophic of circumstances in one of the most hostile places on Earth. Pip Thompson, GB News. The Titan submersible disaster is completely avoidable, folks. Welcome to Truth Thursday on the Rob Manus Show at Red Voice Media Network, where you get the facts and the truth, and you can make up your own mind. Uh, you know, I'll just read you something from the company website about this missing submersible. It says it's owned by OceanGate, a company based in Washington State that's become a major chronicler of the Titan's decay. For $250,000 a person, the company promises tourists an underwater voyage to explore the remains of the Titanic from the seafloor. From St. John's in Newfoundland, Canada, explorers travel 380 miles offshore and 2.4 miles below the surface. A full trip can take eight days and include multiple dives. Uh, close quote. By all estimates, the crew and passengers of Titan, uh, uh, as of this morning at 8 o'clock, ran out of usable oxygen. Uh, and the search and rescue is obviously transitioning to a search and recovery operation, which means a recovery of both equipment and remains of human beings. Uh, unfortunately, it appears this mishap was entirely avoidable, with many safety concerns being raised by employees and passengers who canceled at the last minute because of those concerns. Uh, we'll discuss the situation with aviation experts and hear from a submarine expert today one of those, quote, 50-year-old white guys, close quote, from military submarine service 
that unfortunately the Ocean Gate CEO didn't want to hire. Uh, it's sad that uh, just before we came on the air, uh, we're seeing some reporting that uh, debris field has been located near the Titanic wreckage on the seafloor. Uh, and uh, we're getting uh, unconfirmed confirmations uh, from various sources that uh, that debris field is from the Titan submersible. So keep these families and these folks in your prayers, uh, ladies and gentlemen, because, uh, you know, uh, uh, like aircraft crashes, uh, these types of uh, mishaps uh, uh, have to be looked at uh, uh, very specifically. We're going to do a little bit of that today, uh, not to disrespect anybody or uh, even disparage them, but we are going to talk about what the CEO said about 50-year-old white guys. We've got a complete clip. Uh, there's a little more to that clip of audio from him. Uh, than just about that particular issue uh, that I'm going to play the entire clip for you at some point here. Uh, but uh, first of all, let me bring our guest in. He's uh, a retired Navy commander and aviator uh, and uh, Ph.D. Dr. Randy Arrington. Uh, Dr. Arrington, uh, we've got some sad news uh, being reported uh, as we speak uh, that, uh, like I thought, uh, over the last 24 hours uh, that these folks are probably uh, beyond uh, rescue at this point. Very sad, and like you said, Colonel, uh, very, uh, we could have avoided this if they had the right uh, mentality and attitude at this Ocean Gate company, and I don't think they did. I've got a quote uh, here from the CEO. It said, you know, at some point, safety is just pure waste. I mean, if you want to just be safe, don't get out of bed, don't get in your car, don't do anything. At some point, you're going to take some risk, and it really is a risk-reward question. I think I can do this just as safely by breaking the rules. That's the CEO, Stockton Rush. Yeah, and, you know, there's some things that, uh, first I want to address one thing. Uh, look, Americans, one of the things that makes us is that we are explorers and we are not just explorers, but we are adventurers to our country uh, that that has been created uh, out of just a, a couple of strips of land, literally uh, uh, of states on the eastern seaboard uh, uh, that didn't even go all the way to the southern part of the uh, uh, of the uh, land that we had access to uh, has expanded to include Alaska and Hawaii and. We have territory of Guam, and uh, it's only because we are uh, explorers and adventurers that that's in our DNA in America. Uh, so, you know, I don't I don't disparage any of these folks for putting their money down and wanting to go explore uh, and take this risk. They signed documents uh, that uh, that said their lives were at stake. I, I feel bad for uh, the gentleman who took his 19-year-old son. Uh, that that breaks my heart uh, because I don't know what choice the 19-year-old had. Maybe he had a lot of choice. Who knows? Uh, but uh, uh, but they all know the risks. Uh, and I don't have a problem with that. What I have a problem with, and as, a, as somebody that's an aviator like you uh, and uh, also did bomb disposal early in my Air Force career, so I understand risk and risk mitigation. I've, I've been a safety investigation board president on an aircraft accident. I've been trained to do accident investigation boards as president. 
Me too. Uh, you know, as you probably have too. Uh, so we have experience uh, from that perspective, and uh, we understand risk mitigation because these types of activities are very high risk, especially when you're in uh, what's really tantamount to if this was an aircraft. I think it would be called an experimental aircraft and, and uh, wouldn't carry it the full weight of a certified airframe uh, from the FAA, uh, which is not to say that it's not safe uh, or wasn't a good design uh, at the outset, but what you just said about the CEO and what he said uh, during that first clip uh, about not wanting to hire 50-year-old white guys that gives me cause for concern. More importantly, this is what came after the 50-year-old white guy comment, is the ex-military submarine experts. You know, you gotta have, and we'll talk more about this during the show, this whole show is dedicated uh, to this accident uh, today, folks. Uh, uh, and there will be a little bit of a political aspect to it because he's woke, obviously. The CEO uh, was woke. Uh, and the reason why that's important is that it, it controls his thinking when he's making assessments about people that he's considering bringing on to the team uh, and conducting these very high-risk experimental operations with a, with a piece of really experimental uh, equipment that's going down to, I mean, the the uh, go, Disco, go ahead and bring up the schematic, uh, Doc, and I think you should be able to see this from the New York Post. We'll probably see this a couple of times during the show. Go ahead and bring up the still that I sent you earlier, Disco. Let's see if we can get that up. Hey, Colonel, let me just, uh, it, it got corrupted. I'm getting it back in, so continue to talk and I'll get it back up. For yeah. Uh, okay, uh, so we're going to bring a schematic up to to just to orient folks about the submersible. It's not really a submarine, folks. A submarine uh, is different than a deep sea submersible. Uh, and uh, I think you'll see uh, what that reason is uh, once we get the schematic up from it. But uh, uh, but uh, uh, I'm getting word uh, now that the media uh, is uh, uh, in the joint command. Uh, it sounds like they have just declared it officially lost and uh, uh, that confirms what we were talking about with the uh, debris field that's been discovered. Uh, uh, so the good news is uh, we have the capability to do that. The bad news is obviously pray for these families. So, so taking a look at this picture, uh, as you can see on your left, that's a picture of the, the Titan uh, Ocean Gate submersible itself. Top right is the... Uh, video game controller that the owner talked about and showed in the uh, short video we played. And then there's a schematic down to your little right for depicting where the passengers and crew uh, of the submersible would sit with the dimensions of it. And the wreck of the Titanic is at a depth of about 12,500 feet. Uh, you can go ahead and take that down, Disco. Uh, we'll bring it back up later as we need it. But uh, uh, pay attention to the nose and the hatch where the uh, the viewing screen is. Uh, there are 17 bolts around that. That's the only way in and out of this vessel, and it can only be opened by support crew and closed by support crew uh, at the support ship level, uh, so there's no way out. And, and that'll be a big point of discussion as we continue uh, with the show into their next segment. Uh, 
and uh, <coughs> word is that uh, uh, and confirmed that uh, the vessel did implode and was found 1,600 feet from the bow of the Titanic. Uh, uh, so uh, it rests uh, down there uh, along with the uh, thousands of other folks that uh, passed away on that crash, which was another uh, sea accident that was entirely uh, avoidable. Uh, Doc, uh, it's a sad day uh, for them, but you know what? Uh, a lot of people are saying, before we go to a break, I want to get your take on this, you know, a, a vessel full of uh, immigrants uh, uh, that was overloaded, sunk, and uh, doesn't seem to be as much uh, effort mm -hmm. going into recovering those folks and, 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 and concern about those folks as these, uh, these three or four billionaires on this uh, sightseeing tour, uh, which is really despicable, folks. I mean, come on. You know, everybody is concerned about both of the, those types of issues, uh, but uh, uh, but that I mean that's just ridiculous to even put that out there, don't you think? Well, you you raise a good point. You talk about us, the, the people of the United States, being explorers, adventurers, and we are. But then you have to ask the question: Look at the risk versus reward. I think sometimes you can argue both sides of that. Some things just need to be left alone. And maybe the Titanic is one of those. I don't know. What reward do we get by going down and looking at something that sunk uh, in 1912? What are we going to get out of that? Uh, maybe there's a bunch of gold on board or something. I don't know. But we are adventurers. But you have to ask in the risk-reward uh, question, what am I going to get out of this? Is it worth the risk? And in this case, I would say probably not at this particular time. Also, yeah. knowing what this guy's attitude was, his woke attitude, plus his attitude on safety, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. If I said that stuff on an aircraft carrier, they'd have sent me home the next morning. That's right. Uh, and in our next segment, uh, at the beginning of it, we'll hear from submarine expert uh, Aaron Amick, who operated on submarines for oh, yeah. 20 years and, and is author of the Subbrief, who's done a lot of uh, video about this during the last week, and we're going to use a couple of clips from him. So we've got to pay some bills. This is the Rob Mana Show Live. We're talking about the Titan submersible disaster and how it could be avoided, could have been avoided completely. And we'll be right back after these messages. Looking for a great gift for lovers of freedom? We have you covered with this 2024 edition Trump for President coin. Show your support with this limited edition coin, normally $29.99. But for a limited time, you can get yours for just $19.99 plus free shipping. This is a great collector's coin for fans of President Trump and those that want to show their support for our great president. Each coin is made in the USA, is an authentic U.S. JFK half dollar, and showcased in an acrylic coin capsule. Collectibles like this only increase in value, often to hundreds of dollars per coin. So get yours now for $19.99 plus free shipping at trumpcoinsavings.com. Again, that's trumpcoinsavings.com to secure this limited offer.
here in a second. But now I want you to watch this short interview that the CEO of Ocean Gate, Mr. Stockton Rush, had with Teledyne Marine representatives. Teledyne Marine are making the sonar systems and inertial navigation systems for this vessel. But listen to what he talks about. The CEO talks about hiring people. Uh, yes, I mean, when I started the business, one of the things you'll find, there are other sub-operators out there, but they, they typically um, have uh, gentlemen who are ex-military submariners, and they you'll see a whole bunch of 50-year-old white guys. Um, I wanted our team to be younger, to be inspirational, and I'm not going to inspire a 16-year-old to, to go pursue marine technology. But a 25-year-old, uh, you know, who's a sub-pilot or a, a platform operator, one of our techs, can be inspirational. And so we've really tried to, to get um, very intelligent, motivated, younger individuals involved because we're doing things that are completely new. We're taking approaches that are used largely in the aerospace industry is related to safety and uh, some of the, the preponderance of checklists, uh, things we do for risk assessments and things like that that are more aviation related than um, ocean related. And we can train people to do that. We can train someone to pilot the sub. We use a game controller um, so anybody can drive the sub. All right, so Stockton Rush. So that was Aaron Emick of the Subreef. He's also a uh, contractor, uh, subject matter expert in submarine uh, operation and uh, technologies and those kind of things. So uh, I've watched a lot of his videos researching for the show. And uh, uh, folks, you ought to go out, and if you need to hire somebody like that, and you should if you're operating a submersible, you should have one of these ex-military submariners uh, as a SME, a subject matter expert, on your team, uh, please. Uh, it's worth its weight in gold, and obviously, uh, it mitigate it can mitigate your risk, as we can see by this disaster that's just happened. We're talking with uh, uh, retired Navy commander uh, and aviator uh, Randy Arrington today. Uh, about this issue, uh, both of us have experience in accident, aircraft accident investigation and safety investigation boards uh, and uh, risk mitigation. Uh, now, the reason I replayed that clip is that the media guys in the first one, the reporters had chopped it up, uh, you know. Uh, and by the way, that reporter in the first clip that they showed toward the end of it there, uh, he, he, he goes on, if you, you can look up the CBS reporting, to, he was a little bit freaked out uh, about the game controller thing uh, and uh, uh, and that kind of thing. But uh, so so Rush said we're using aviation safety concepts in there. Well, uh, Mr. Amick goes on to talk about in his long video about Apollo One. Do you remember Apollo One, Doc? Yes. Yeah, it's a burn, uh, cockpit burned up on the uh, on the launch pad. They were doing a, a pressurization test uh, inside, and they had created a 100% oxygen atmosphere with the three crew members uh, inside the capsule doing this test, and they had a fire. Uh, and uh, those astronauts in those days faced the exact same thing that these uh, submersible uh, crew and occupants faced and that is, remember the 17 bolts that I said hold the hatch on from the outside on the submersible? Uh, and the only way they could be opened uh, or closed is from the outside by the support crew on the ship uh, up top. 
same thing with Apollo One. You you know you would think that if this guy was was serious about what he said about aviation, that that that's an accident that they would have taken a really close look at right there, the Apollo One guys, because that crew could not open the hatch. They were bolted in. Uh, and that's exactly why they unfortunately died in that accident. Well, it also reminded me when I looked at this in the beginning, doing my research the last couple of days, of Gus Grissom, who died in that accident, Apollo yeah. 1. He's the one that said in the Gemini Project, where is the explosive bolts that could get us out when we want a hatch that we can blow from the inside? And the German engineers didn't even think of that, and he finally convinced them to do that. So I think they did finally install explosive uh, bolts on the inside that can get them from the out. So if, if the Quest, the uh, little submarine, could have gotten back to the surface, releasing their ballast, getting back to the surface, they could have at least blown that hatch and gotten out. If Now, if they did get back to the surface, they're going to die anyway from asphyxiation, but we know now, more than likely, and I thought this was the beginning, like you said, that the pressure, 33 feet, every 33 feet, another whole ocean of pressure hits these people, and they get down there by the Titanic, and there's almost 400 oceans of pressure on them, so that vessel made out of carbon fiber would go back and forth, back and forth, like it does in aviation, and it just finally had a flaw and imploded and killed them instantly. Yeah, uh, you know, U.S. Navy submarines, uh, 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 the pressure vessel, uh, it's not made of composite fiber, and I don't think any of the other deep-sea submersibles uh, that I could find are, are constructed out of carbon fiber. This is a new, uh, this is a new thing for me uh, from that perspective. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure they're all made out of titanium, which is... Uh, you know, one of the tough, you know, it's the toughest metal that we've learned how to manipulate uh, and manufacture uh, things from. So uh, it's uh, it's pretty sad, really. I think the ends, uh, you know, the bolt-on ends uh, of the capsule, uh, the vessel, uh, uh, were not carbon fiber. But uh, uh, that's kind of beside the point at this at this time. You know, uh, now it's turned into we've got to recover. The remains, obviously, and get them back to their families, uh, and uh, then recover the pieces so that it can be looked at by an accident investigation board. Uh, what is it called? A uh, uh, maritime uh, uh, review board? Uh, what does that look like uh, when something like this happens at sea, Doc? Well, if they do it properly, like we were taught as aviation accident investigators, they'll use the chain link theory to look at the incident. Here's the accident, and they go back in time, and they create all these little chain links that led to the that was part of this event that led to the actual accident. And there are so many links in this accident chain, and if they could have broken any one of those at any point, you could have avoided, and you said that at the beginning of the show, they could have avoided this accident. There's probably at least 10 links in this accident chain that led to this submersible imploding, and any one of them could have stopped it, but they didn't. This guy had a really poor attitude towards safety. In fact, the people that made this for him out of the carbon fiber, where that little dome goes on, the portal that they can look out of, was only certified by the company that made it to 4,000 feet. And they went to 13,000 feet. That should be a red flag right there. That's the first chain link I'd look at right there. And the guy's attitude. So yeah, you know, I be... think the first the first link is his desire not to hire 50 year old white ex-military oh, yeah, submarine guys. Really, I mean, let's talk about that for a minute. Uh, uh, you know, first of all, woke will get you killed, people. 
take my word for it. Let's let's take the ideological stuff off of it. But if you are not looking for, if you are hiring people based on uh, the color of their skin or based on their sex choices or based on uh, their their whatever, uh, and, and not based on their their expertise, their skills, and their knowledge and their ability to apply it to the job you're hiring them for. Uh, in this kind of business, uh, I don't want anything to do with your company. You know, it's like airlines. Airlines that say we're going to hire, or the U.S. Air Force, which has a recruiter general, recruiting command general that says we have too many white men in, in the cockpit. Uh, well, I don't want to fly with you. I don't want to be part of your Air Force. I don't want to go to war with you people. Uh, if you're not hiring the best to make sure that the best person, qualified, most qualified person, regardless of all of those things, is operating that machine that puts bombs on targets or shoots enemy aircraft down or protects our ground troops uh, uh, in battle, I don't want anything to do with you because you're going to get people killed, including me, probably. Uh, uh, same thing with this guy. Uh, I mean, woke it's going to make you go broke. You can see that with Target and that stuff. But this is what we've been talking about. My main concern when I first started hearing about this is, do you really want your airline pilot hired based on their skin color or their sex choices or their ideology versus their skill and their ability? That is a disaster. Uh, and that's the first link in this chain here. People that run companies like this that think that way need to get out of the business because they're killing people. And this guy just did it, in my opinion. Well, it's ironic that you mentioned that because the CEO of United Airlines just came out with a statement saying he's going to hire his pilots based on DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Exactly. How about the best pilots? And the, the the new, I think the guy, General Brown, Air Force General Brown, he's big into diversity, equity, and inclusion as well. And I think he just got nominated to be the chief, Joint Chief of Staff. You talk about politics in, in this. Let's put a little psychology in there, too. Of men and women, for that matter, who are more likely to accept an unacceptable risk, young men or older men? The young men. So he's hiring guys that are willing to accept more risk than they should for a yep. limited reward, and that's a big, big problem. You're exactly right. It's a big, big problem. I mean, it is the biggest link in the chain, the accident chain, uh, and, and I guarantee you uh, the next aircraft that crashes and kills 300 people uh, will be piloted by a diversity, equity, and inclusion hire instead of a meritocracy hire. Uh, and uh, I won't fly with an airline that hires people that way. Uh, and uh, you know what? None of us should. Uh, we should take them down through our pocketbooks, uh, just like I won't go to Target. You know, my wife used to fl drive 20 miles to go to a Target because that was her store of preference. I told her uh, when all this broke about this stupid, weird swimsuit, with a penis pocket in it for men so they can look like women uh, uh, came out and it's being marketed to kids. No, we're not, we're not putting our money into that. And I'm not gonna buy a ticket on an airline that hires its aviators because of, uh, of their skin color or their gender or their, their desire to be another gender. I don't care, it's stupid. 
it's not only stupid. This is a this is this disaster. Uh, these deaths uh, were caused. I bet you, uh, in large part, because of DEI and that man's decision. And he admitted it. He admitted it. Uh, you know what? Uh, and he said he wanted to. You can't inspire a 16-year-old uh, with a 50-year-old white ex-military guy that's an expert in submarines. Well, look, man, I was 50 years old when I retired from the U.S. Air Force as a colonel and a wing commander, and I spent my days uh, for years inspiring teenagers mm -hmm. to be the best exactly. they could be because that's most of what I was leading of those 2,800 men and women were teenagers or early 20s people. That's my job is to inspire uh, them and I continue to try to do that at age 61. So his belief system is completely off kilter, uh, and uh, he bears every bit of the responsibility starting with that hire. Well, we've got to take another break, uh, Commander Arrington, but we'll be right back and we'll we'll be back with our submariner expert and a little video about what he thinks happened uh, uh, here. And that's Aaron Amick from the Subbrief. We'll be right back to the Rob Mana Show live on Red Voice Media Network after these messages. Do you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS? Have you been threatened with levies or have unfiled returns? The IRS is hiring 87,000 agents to boost IRS collections, and they have the power to seize assets, freeze bank accounts, and they can even take your home. Tax Network USA can help you today before it's too late. Our CPAs and certified tax experts have proven strategies that work for taxpayers time and time again. These same strategies have saved over $500 million in back taxes, permanently resolving tax debts for good. Stop collections and get relief today before it's too late. Hello and welcome to the Oceans Gate Expeditions Update. Uh, my name is Aaron. I am the CEO and founder of Subbrief. I am a 20-year submarine veteran from the United States Navy Submarine Force and uh, a subject matter expert in uh, submarines. I'm here to give you my opinion on what happened uh, with this Titan tragedy today. So the Ocean Gate Expedition is a manned submarine transport company that leverages college graduate engineers with off-the-shelf technology for cost-effect subsea research. On Sunday, June 18th, 2023, OceanGate suffered loss of communication with their Titan submarine, a deep diving Cyclops class. Titan was uh, designed to take up to five people to the Titanic wreck site and other deep water locations. As the Titan descended with its crew of five to the Titanic wreck, an hour and 40 minutes into the dive, communication with the submersible was lost. Uh, this is about the same time that she was scheduled to drop ballast and touch bottom at near the two-hour mark. So those may be connected. We're not sure yet. Loss of communication with the vessel uh, below 3,000 meters is not uncommon. It's a non-zero chance of happening uh, as it happened during testing. So it was not unexpected. 
So as the hours passed on June 18th, 2023, communication was not reestablished during the 10 hour dive. After approximately 12 hours, the topside support team on the ship Polar Prince contacted the US Coast Guard at 9.13 PM to report loss of contact with their vessel. That's a summary of what happened. So uh, in this video, I'm gonna to describe to you vessel construction, the so that's what uh, Mr. Amick uh, thinks happened. And uh, based on the news we're hearing, Dr. Arrington, uh, from the uh, discovery of the debris field uh, just off the bow uh, of the Titanic, uh, about 1,600 feet, uh, that, and that's, that's what was purported to be their landing site. Uh, that, uh, uh, that's likely uh, what occurred was, uh, was an implosion, which, uh, which means that they didn't suffer. The crew and the occupants, the passengers did not suffer at all. It, it was very quick. Uh, and uh, that is, uh, uh, it's very unfortunate based on what we're talking about. You know, what's ironic in that first uh, interview that you had uh, inside the vessel, the uh, reporter was shown a little Logitech uh, game controller, and the, uh, the CEO said, anybody can drive the submarine. To me, that was a big red flag right there. You know from Naval Aviation, from Air Force Aviation, I've given and received hundreds of check rides, and they're very necessarily difficult to pass. Why? For a reason, because they want to ensure that you can handle any normal situation that pops up or any abnormal situation right. that pops up and bring that ship, bring that airplane back to the base or back to the aircraft carrier safely and not harm anybody or the airplane. And that, to me, is not what happened in the mindset that was in this company. They want to get these risk takers and, and influence them to go out and take these risks, and they wanted to avoid safety because he said safety was a pure waste. That's what he said. Well, let's talk about that controller. Uh, you know, in, in, in uh, as part of the interview, he's talking about the controller. I don't know if you remember, but he said it's a Bluetooth controller, uh, and we yeah. have spares. Uh, uh, you know, so big questions about that. Uh, you know, uh, I don't think I would want a wireless controller controlling my sub, you know, submersible vessel at 12,500 or 13,000 feet. Uh, I wouldn't want that thing wired uh, to the control system uh, because, you know, uh, if it's going to be Bluetooth, one of the things you would want to know in testing is, uh, uh, is each of those backups that you're bringing with you, they all have good batteries, you have to, do they check that? Uh, but not just that, but, uh, you know, if the system fails and, and the connection fails, will the backups connect? to the system via Bluetooth. So I just think that, I just think that was a completely unnecessary risk uh, just about the little controller there. You know, I don't, uh, it doesn't bother me that it's a PlayStation controller or Xbox controller, that doesn't bother me, uh, but it's, uh, it's the lack of care in, uh, in putting this equipment together so that it can successfully complete its mission which is to document the, you know, what's happening to the Titanic and take people down that, that obviously have, wouldn't have the opportunity otherwise to explore uh, that wreck uh, and, uh, uh, and learn about it. So, you know, I mean, that, it seems like a small thing, doesn't it? Uh, but we know that in aviation and uh, any type of, you know, operating high-tech high machinery uh, in, in the austere environments, whether it's in space, in the atmosphere, 
uh, on the sea or under the sea, these minute, minute details uh, are all about risk mitigation because it's high risk activity. You know, I mean, we used to tell people all the time, you know, flying airplanes is inherently dangerous. Remember that. Act accordingly. And that means take the proper steps, you know, to use the right procedure when, when that procedure is available or know what to do when there's an unusual situation that you come across where there is no procedure, uh, but you take it, you take the right steps uh, inherently because you've learned how to operate in a, in a risk assessment and mitigation environment uh, in real time. Right, and you train well by instructors who, through uh, blood priority, they've changed checklists and changed procedures because somebody has died, and they do the accident investigation, figure out what happened, and they change procedures and checklists so that it won't happen again. That was the whole function of the accident investigation from my perspective. I don't want this to happen again. Now, in, in 2018, his director of maritime operations was a 50-year-old submarine white guy. He sued him, and he said, look, uh, I've seen flaws in the carbon fiber that has been delivered yeah. to create this this vessel, and there's something wrong. They did do some limited testing, initial testing, on a prototype, and it, it didn't come back well. He said, you know, we can't do this. You're going to have some problems, and you're risking people's lives by going down to 13,000 feet and looking at the Titanic, and you have to do better at your safety environment, and he did not heed that warning. In fact, they had a settlement out of court, I guess, but that was a 50-year-old white guy that told him the truth, Colonel. Some people don't yeah. want to hear the truth. Remember, nobody's hated more than the person who speaks the truth, and he was telling him the truth. Yeah, I just wish somebody like you or me or, I mean, anybody had ever met this gentleman, you know, so that we could have the talk with him about, uh, like we talk, were talking about before, you know, talk about inspiring young people. You don't inspire young people by uh, by uh, uh, having their direct supervisors have no experience in the in the high risk activity that you want the young people to take the mantle of uh, and be those that carry it forward. Uh, can you imagine that uh, you know uh, young lieutenant, second lieutenant Rob Manis, uh shows up for his first uh, flight in a in a cockpit of a jet training aircraft? Uh, and the guy sitting next to you is a second lieutenant that just graduated from pilot training. Right. right. You know, uh, I'm not saying it doesn't happen uh, on occasion, uh, but uh, that's usually not the way uh, things in a high risk uh, profession are, are done. I mean, it's uh, that's you, you don't want one co brand new college graduate to be. Uh, given the task of inspiring 16-year-olds to go into this field uh, because they're not going to be teaching them the things that they need to know to survive. We, we call those young guys that came back after training plowbacks who would then instruct the even younger guys than them how to be naval aviators, but they had been through 10 or 15 check rides and pass all sorts of exams, and the instructors said to, said to themselves, I trust this man or woman to bring me back to the aircraft carrier if I need to be brought back in a stricken airplane. So I trust him to train these young guys to become Air Force pilots or naval aviators, uh, and that's exactly the way it works. Yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, this guy, though, he wanted to hire brand-new college graduates, the way it sounds, that, that really didn't have much experience, if any at all, 
because because he had something with 50-year-old white guys that were military, ex-military, that uh, are submarine experts. Uh, There just aren't a lot of people in the world that are submarine and submersible experts. Uh, the, the pool of employee, potential employees, is very, very small. When, if you're looking at it from a merit perspective, you know, the right experience, the right education, the right training, and the right, uh, you know, uh, ability to teach, uh, ability to mentor, ability to inspire, uh, those kinds of things, you, you're just not going to find that in a brand new college graduate. Uh, uh, or, or somebody that didn't have the right training, you know, these pilots we're talking about, uh, as you said, they, they, they go through, you know, uh, a, you know, six months to a year of training to be an instructor pilot after they get their wings. Uh, so they're, they're thoroughly checked out, they're professional, uh, and they've been taught uh, how to operate in this inherently dangerous environment uh, and teach somebody. Uh, and how to teach somebody in this inherently dangerous environment, and that's called uh, and that's called risk mitigation. Uh, it's just uh, it, it just puzzles me uh, that uh, uh, this guy uh, had this kind of attitude. You know, it, it, I was reading about the passenger who's a friend of Mr. I think is uh, Hamish Harding. Was that the gentleman's name? Uh, right. He was an airline pilot, explorer type guy from the UK. Uh, his friend canceled at the last minute because he found out that the ballast was like old scaffolding exactly. piping. You know, and that reminded me of that report, the CBS report. We showed a brief part of that clip at the very beginning of the show was him uh, being shocked about the the uh, Bluetooth controller being used to control the vessel. Uh, I mean, it's that kind of corner cutting. Uh, that's uh, uh, that's indicative of that attitude. Well, we don't really have to follow the old rules because we're under new rules. Well, that's not the way physics works, is it, Doc? I mean, no, physics no. doesn't work that way. Science no. doesn't work this way. Here, here's science from the woke perspective. Well, science is what we say it is. Yeah, That's what we saw yeah. during the COVID response and all that, right? Uh, uh, well, no, science is not what you say it is. Science is data uh, collected over time for, from specific instances for specific purposes, uh, and it's assessed and, and consensus is reached uh, from experts that are responsible for that particular data set of science and understand what's going on with that data set. Uh, and then you move forward, but it's never guaranteed or written in stone. <laughs> uh, I mean, those of us that fly or operate under the sea, we understand that nature and scientific uh, information uh, and technology, I mean, it, it's all about, because I've, I've made airplanes do things that they weren't really supposed to do, just like probably you have, uh, just yeah. like submarines have and, and all kinds of things. It, it just doesn't work that way, does it? No, and, and my dad was a career submarine man uh, in the U.S. Navy, was part of the uh, Missiles of October situations that took place. And in my junior year at UCLA, I went on a U.S. submarine, the USS Simon Bolivar. It's a, it's a, uh, a boomer. 
I took yeah. a whole eight-hour class on what I can and can't do on this submarine. And then when I went on the submarine, there was a guy with me almost all the time to make sure I didn't do anything that I shouldn't be doing. So it's very serious. The, the people that go into the water are well-trained, like the people that fly above the water. We're well-trained. And it has yeah. to be that way. Otherwise, you have too much risk for the reward, and people die. That's called blood priority. Exactly right. Uh, we've got to take another break. Uh, this is uh, Rob Mana Show Live. We're with uh, retired Navy Commander and Aviator Randy Arrington discussing the Titan submersible disaster. We'll be right back after these messages. It's a crazy world out there, and we're facing more uncertainty than our country has faced in a long time, if ever. And the most important advice that we can give you and your loved ones is be prepared. Most people don't realize they need something until it's too late. Whether it's a natural disaster, a sustained power outage, political upheaval, or God forbid, war. You need to be prepared. Don't put yourself in that situation. Have food and water on hand to provide for you and your loved ones during the worst of times. And then pray you never need it. Thankfully, we have just the solution for you. Heaven's Harvest has everything you need to prepare for the unexpected. You get prepared and you support a pro-America Christian company that shares your values at the same time. Everyone wins. And the best news is you also get discounts on emergency survival foods, heirloom vegetables, seed kits, water filtration and storage kits, and loads of other survival resources, such as guides on how to grow and preserve your foods. So get ahead, be prepared, and survive with a company that shares your values. And we have you covered with great discounts. Go to HeavensHarvest.com and use promo code RVM to save 10%. Again, that's HeavensHarvest.com and use promo code RVM to save 10% on your order. Do you have mixed feelings, perhaps, about the, the time, the economic cost, the, the safety of the rescuers, the resources that are being spent on, on, on what a lot of analysts have now looked at and said looked to be a pretty foolhardy venture? So there's, there's going to be a time and place for a thorough investigation. Uh, I, I don't know what that looks like right now. Uh, the focus of the unified command is on the search and rescue. And so we're going to continue to use all those assets uh, that we have on scene uh, and really uh, focus on locating uh, the submersible and the people on board. Do you think there needs to be a safety review into these kind of vessels potentially after, after this is all over? Jane, there, there will be a thorough investigation, I'm, I'm sure of that. I don't know what that uh, looks like uh, right now, but uh, the Unified Command, I can tell you, we are focused on search and rescue. This is, this is really the focus uh, for our Unified efforts uh, right now, and so we're going to continue to prosecute the search and rescue case, and, and that discussion can be had at a later time. That was the uh, Coast Guard Admiral uh, from the Unified Command, and a Unified Command is where all of the uh, uh, the uh, stakeholders uh, come together under one command process and organization in these types of uh, emergencies. Uh, and in this case, the U.S. Coast Guard, uh, I think, was leading that. Uh, 
and uh, that clip was uh, taken a little bit over 15 hours ago or so and we got reporting at the beginning of the show here that the Coast Guard had announced that the submersible was lost. They had discovered a debris field about 1,600 feet off the bow uh, of the uh, Titanic on the seafloor uh, at 12,500 feet down. Uh, so we suspect that the investigation will show that uh, that uh, when the communication was lost, uh, about an hour and 45 minutes into the descent, uh, uh, that is likely uh, that the uh, submersible imploded and everybody was killed instantly, unfortunately. We're talking with uh, retired Navy commander and aviator, uh, Dr. Randy Arrington, today about this uh, issue and how it was uh, seems like uh, could have been avoidable. You know, we didn't talk about the communications capability of the submarine. Apparently, the uh, uh, Mr. Rush decided to only go with a data feed uh, that would automatically send data mm -hmm. back to the surface up and down instead of uh, any other type of communication capability because he was tired of being interrupted by the surface ship uh, asking for information when he was not giving them the appropriate information in a timely manner. And folks, when you're doing these types of high-risk activities, communication uh, back and forth to your command node or command and control node or your safety overwatch or whatever, which is what the support ship is at this point uh, when you're in a descent like that, in my opinion, uh, is very important so that they have the best information available in case something happens in that right now exactly and you know when i look at this from a political perspective i think these people that he was hiring were not individuals that he wanted to inspire he wanted to hire individuals that would shake their head and say yes to him that's called being a victim of groupthink you need a devil's advocate to sit like the guy that he fired in 2018 hey this is not the way it should be let's pull back for a little while do some testing and let's get this safer and again he wasn't into into safety at all and that's just sad now there's two things i think that are good uh, that will come out of this one it did implode, and I thought that from the very beginning. They didn't have to suffer when they died. The other thing is maybe the environment and the attitude in this submersible tourism industry will change sufficiently enough that they can get some sort of regulation going and uh, move forward in that in that domain and make it safer than it is right now. Because right now, I don't see any safety at all. Yeah, you know, and uh, you know, now that you mentioned that, there are a lot of folks that are adamantly opposed to this uh, Titanic, specifically uh, this tourism of the Titanic, mm -hmm. because it really is a it's it's a gravesite, it's a cemetery yeah, uh, for most of those that were lost uh, that went down with the ship, uh, and uh, you know, I, I, I can understand that, I, I can definitely understand that. That's not to say that we shouldn't be. Uh, conducting research dives on the vessel to learn everything we can about that accident uh, so that we know for sure uh, what happened and uh, those kinds of things. But uh, uh, but I, I think I probably agree with folks like that. I mean, I don't, if it were my family members uh, that were down there and that was their gravesite, I, I would have a l little bit of concern about uh, using it as a tourism uh, uh approach uh, to uh, this type of exploration. Right. Let's let sleeping dogs lie to use an old adage. I just don't think that there's any real uh, reward or purpose 
uh, that's tangible to me of going down there, you know, 13,000 feet and looking at the gravesite that contains all those people that died on the Titanic in 1912. There's no reason to go down there and do it. So again, we're explorers, we're adventurers. I understand that, but you got yeah. there's got to be a point where you say, no, that's not worth it. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't want my intent for this show is not to bash people for exploring uh, and for being adventuresome and uh, putting their literally putting their money where their mouth is. Uh, but it is something that should be thought about. Uh, I think in the future and uh, uh, and this accident, once uh, it goes through a, a formal investigation review, if, uh, if, if the folks that lead that are uh, are that are appointed to lead that are like us. Uh, they look at it from a factual and a risk mitigation perspective and a lessons learned perspective, which is what the point of accident investigation board reports are all about. So, because these accidents are preventable uh, uh, every single time. I don't think I've ever read an accident report uh, that w was rolled out that said, no, this accident wasn't preventable of you. No, and that's why you do that chain leak to find out where uh, these this chain leak developed. So that in the future, if you see the same things developing, you can say, "Wait a minute, cut this off right here. I'm not going flying. I'm not going to water." And you can prevent that accident. And that's exactly what happened here. Now, the review board, the uh, Maritime Accident Review Board, is going to be filled with 50-year-old white guys and gals, probably not any 19, 20-year-old guys that just got out of college, are going to review this accident and come up with, with the recommendations how to prevent it from happening in the future. So you know, those 20-year-olds, 22-year-olds, they have no experience. They've got no real-world experience to judge anything based on. They've been in a book for four years. Well, it's, it's like uh, when you're a brand-new aviator, you know, uh, and you, you've just gotten qualified in your weapon system. Uh, uh, you just don't have the experience base that somebody that's been flying it for six years uh, or even a year has uh, to where you can take risk like that person does. So, I mean, every step of your career is about mitigating the risk so that you can be uh, an old pilot. Uh, you know, the old adage is there are no old, bold pilots or, <laughs> you know, uh, you want to be, you want to get to the end and say, I was, I'm an old pilot. I did a great job. Uh, uh, and yeah, I was just better at taking risks than those bold guys that ended up in the, uh, in the dirt, uh, over the water, uh, so many years ago, uh, because there are no old, bold, whatever, uh, you know, boldness is good. Uh, but to become old, uh, you have to learn how to do it the right way. Isn't that right? Right. And the day that I got my uh, Navy wings of gold pinned onto my uniform after my last hop, I was in my, my flight suit, the commanding officer said to me, this is your license to go out and learn, Ensign. Oh, I was a JG by then. And so you're, you're go out and learn. This is your license to learn. And he's exactly right. Absolutely right. Uh, he sure was. Uh, well, Doc, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Uh, where can folks find you at? Uh, what's your Twitter handle again? Uh, I don't know, Randall Steven A2. They wouldn't give me the whole name, so Randall Steven A2 on Twitter. <laughs> uh, you've been canceled a couple of times, but uh, I have that's quite, because yeah. we. That's because we take no prisoners uh, uh, from Dr. Arrington. Uh, and, uh, uh, well, we appreciate your expertise in, in uh, the discussion on this and uh, pray for those that were lost and their families. Absolutely. And, uh, uh, we'll talk to you next time. Yes, sir. Thank you.
Well, folks here at Red Voice Media Network, we want to give you the facts and the truth so you can make up your own mind uh, uh, about what the reality is. I hate to use the word narrative because that's what the propaganda media uh, likes to do. Uh, now, we're going to wind this up with clip 4A, uh, and uh, next up will be uh, Drew Berquist with This Is My Show. Uh, but uh, this is the uh, sub-brief, Mr. Amick. Uh, talking about the passengers. Until next week, I'm Rob Manus. The Titan began its descent with five souls on board. Uh, contact was lost after an hour and 40 minutes and contact was never reestablished. And uh, I really feel terrible for all the families involved uh, because your family members are dead. And it hurts me to say that, but it's the truth. And I hope this video helps give you some closure, help, uh, helping you know what probably happened. Uh, we'll, we'll know more in the coming days. I'll probably do a follow-up to this, but um, I hope this video helps you process what's, what's happened this past week. All right? Thanks for watching, everybody.